What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Mitch Gray Show. Another awesome episode planned for you today. We hope you are doing well in this time of uh, of interesting circumstances in the world. But hey, we're here to entertain you, inspire you. And as always, I'm going to bring someone to the table that will give you some great tips for life. Joining me today is my brother, my brother Kenneth Kendall. Kenneth, how are you, man? I am pretty darn good. It's a beautiful fall day. How are you, brother? I am great, man. I am great. We were we were joking pre-show about this new uh, thing that I'm working with technologically, and I think it's going to be awesome. But uh, uh, yeah. if not, we'll uh, we'll make it work as always, right? Technology, That's huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Technology. <laughs> So, Kenneth, you are a public speaking confident coach, and so I'm going to start with the big question. As a public speaking confidence coach, here's the million-dollar question. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. What makes a great speaker? Someone who has confidence in themselves, in who they are, and the message that they are delivering. If you don't believe in yourself, as a speaker, and if you don't believe in what you're saying, the audience can spot that a mile away and they will never be with you. If you believe in who you are and the message you're getting out there, that's the ticket. You can do anything at that point. I love it. I love it. That, that could be the end of the show. We're done. We're done. No, we're not done. <laughs> um, confidence is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's It's almost like confidence is this characteristic or element that actually brings together all of the underlying characteristics and it's it's really a reflection of the soul almost and 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 i think that's probably what led you to that definition that that you brought to the table absolutely uh and I, i love how you put that as a reflection of the soul yeah um one of the things one of the big things that i teach uh, is that you as a human being are enough. Mm. How you are today, how you were yesterday, and how you are tomorrow, you're enough. You don't need to be a facsimile of who you are, a presentation version of yourself. That serves no one. So if you can truly reflect yourself, reflect your soul when you're on stage giving a speech or on Zoom, this is public speaking right, too. Right. Um, that's, that brings out that confidence. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's talk about that you are enough. I had no idea you were going to bring that up, but I want to dig into that since since we're there. We are in, you know, the last, what, eight months for us as Americans. It's been a year for, for many countries in the world. In the middle of this pandemic, and I've been doing a lot of kind of data research, mostly on how this is impacting workplace culture, how it's impacting mm-hmm. people who are now having to work from home, who aren't used to working from home. I, I think that might kind of be a a personal thing for you as well that's impacted you. But there's this statistic that I read the other day that this pandemic and the worldwide stress and working from home has has skyrocketed mental health. Um, The data that I read was like over 74% of adults are actually reporting mental health issues specifically related to this. Now, I want to tie that in with what you said. Um, I'm someone who has struggled with mental health. I don't know if you have, or if you know people that have, have. yeah, it's that idea that I am enough or the doubt in being 
enough. So yeah. how does someone work through that in your experience? I know we're going to talk about public speaking, but mm-hmm. um, as someone who stands in front of people or speaks in front of people, mm-hmm. there's always that wicked fine line of feeling like you are enough or that you are not enough. What does that look like? How do you navigate that out within public speaking, outside mm-hmm. of public speaking? So let's kind of take it out of the context of public speaking, because if you can, because this applies for any skill, um, whether you are enough as a swimmer, as a cyclist, as someone who fixes roads, it doesn't matter. Um, so what the work that I do is, uh, is a little wooshy wooshy, but it's also a little brain science. So I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Talent Code by Dan Coyle. No. Have you heard of that? Fascinating stuff. Really fascinating. I highly recommend it uh, for anybody. It's a really a, an amazing read. But one of the things that he, um, he was a sports writer. That, that was his career. He was a sports writer. And what he started noticing is there's these hot spots around the world that were producing a disproportionate amount of talent than everybody else. Uh, and he just like, why? Why is this tennis camp in the middle of nowhere, Russia, putting out more world champions than, you know, U.S. Olympic team? Right. Why is this uh, soccer camp in Brazil putting out more? So, so he went on a research quest and discovered the training methods these folks were using. And it all has to do with uh, myelin which is a term that most people might not know, it's a chemical in your brain. Mm -hmm. And what happens is this is how we form habits. This is how we form muscle memory is that myelin, the more we do something, the more we repeat something, and whether this is an action or whether this is self-talk, and this is where we're going to get back to confidence in a minute, the more we use any neural pathway, Mm. your brain wraps myelin around it, and it's basically like insulation. And that becomes the preferred route for your thoughts. And the more myelin gets wrapped around it, the faster the transmission of the electricity in that part of your brain. And the more your brain just wants to use that. So that's how we form these habits. Um, And all this is discussed in the book. There are pictures. It's wonderful. They look like little sausages in your brain. That's pretty cool. Any scientific Um, explanation with pictures is always helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... So how I use this, I was a professor for about a decade Mm. um, and I used a lot of this methodology and that. But what we do is we find out what is your self-talk around your self-confidence and then specifically in my work around public speaking, you know, why, what are the hangups you have? What are you, are you, before a speech, are you saying something like, this is terrible, I'm so afraid, I'm going to suck, what if I mess up? Because that is what you're reinforcing in your brain. It's your self-talk. So we identify, what is that self-talk? And where are you sabotaging yourself? Mm. What I'm not doing is going back to the relationship you had with your mother when you were three and fixing that. I can't do that. But what I can do is help you stop the habit Mm. that you formed around this. And then we start to myelinate a new pathway. So that that then becomes your new habit. And we practice this in a safe space, um, which I know is a buzzword, but it really is. We do it in a a little cohort, a little group that is extremely supportive. 
And over our time together, we form new habits around self-talk. And then we do the same with creating an engaging speech, talking with an audience, learning how to do a tennis swing, whatever it is. You start forming these new habits and myelating those changes your entire outlook, yes. changes your thought patterns, which changes your reality. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of self-talk. Um, and, and you're not a psychologist or a therapist, which is why no. you're not going back to the root of the problem. But, you know, there is this idea and, and this um, almost permissive action that someone can take that we do know that there's a reason that you've arrived at that self-talk, at that, at that yeah. self-reflection. Um, but there's also this permissive door that can help someone empower someone to begin deal dealing with those. And actually what that is, is that self-awareness. And that's really what you're discussing here. Absolutely. Is, is the self-awareness to go, yeah, I, I mean, we're all our own worst critic. Right. Like I had, I had, a, I had a guy tell me in high school, a, a mentor of mine, he said, 90% of the stuff you think others think about you, they don't think about you. Right. <laughs> and that's almost that open door to the negativity is, oh my gosh, what mm -hmm. are they going to say? How are they going to respond? How many likes am I going to get? This speech is yep. terrible. My tennis swing sucks. Well, whatever you're thinking, you're exactly right. I think Zig Ziglar kind of penned that decades yep. ago. And I just love that idea of, of, of public speaking and opening, I call it opening your heart, giving it to the world is really yeah. what you're doing. Um, that takes a ton of vulnerability, but it is a reflection of life. Life takes a ton mm -hmm. of vulnerability. And I love yeah. that idea of reshaping. When, when I was in uh, uh, teaching young people about the effects of drugs and alcohol, we used to say neurons that fire together, wire together. Exactly. And it's exactly what you're saying. And so you're really almost re-triggering uh, physiologically and chemically. Yep. You're re-triggering a lot of those thought patterns. And that, that's, that's magical, man. That is magical. Yeah. And I mean, it's nothing. I give people the tools, but it really is. And you've hit on it. It's their willingness to be vulnerable and their willingness to have that self-awareness to say, okay, I'm having these thoughts and I acknowledge that and I need to change. Yes. And the bravery and the consistency yes. that it takes to rewire that is incredible to watch. And I don't care if you're working on public speaking. I don't care if you're learning a new skill. I mean, I, I know we were talking, we both got kids. Yours are older than mine. Mm -hmm. um, but like the greatest example of this that I ever saw is when my, my little guy, who's now three and a half, was learning how to walk. <laughs> right. We're crazy. <laughs> You right. try something, you fail, you try, you fail, you try, you fail, R repeat ad nauseum until the brain goes, oh, balance, ah, yes. <laughs> and then yes. we're off to the razor. And I love that. And it's just, it's myelination over and over and over again. You get one part of it, you myelinate that. You get the next part of it, it's scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we love to call that practice, right? And it, right. Takes, it takes consistency. And, and I think oftentimes when, when we're reshaping um, self-reflection, when we're reshaping self-talk, we have to understand that any, any act is a step forward. Yeah. Because it, it's just like if you're working any part of the body, if you're going to the gym for the first time in six months or you're going to start training for a marathon, 
It never fails. You have those days that you perform really well, and then soon after, you have a day that you're like, oh my gosh, I suck today. And and But just the act of having the courage to be the three-year-old that just stands up and goes again, yeah. that's, that's really what it's about. No, absolutely. Consistency is key. Yes. Was it, I think Simon Sinek gave a talk about the difference between um, consistency and uh, effort. Ah. I can't think of the exact word that he used, but there is a difference between going to the gym. If you want to lose weight, there is a difference between going to the gym mm-hmm. for one day for mm-hmm. 24 hours and pushing as hard as you can and then going every other day for half an hour for three months. Yes. The one day you will feel good while you're doing it and then you will feel terrible and then you will see no effect. Yeah. But if you are consistent, even in small steps, you will achieve your goal. Consistent effort. Yeah, consistent effort. So, Kenneth, how in the world did you end up where you are? Uh, a, A public speaking confidence coach talking about you know, you, that you are enough and, and dealing with those voices in, in our heads. What's the journey been, yeah. man? How did you arrive at today? Oh, it has been a long and twisty road, Mitch. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll take you all the way back. We'll do the Reader's Digest version. Let's do it. Um, so I, I am the, uh, the son of a long line of coal miners uh, from Western Pennsylvania. So my dad is a coal miner. My grandfather was a coal miner. His father, coal miner, coal miner, coal miner. Uh, and then there were coal miners in England and Italy. That's wow. where I'm from. So my brother's a firefighter, paramedic, and I'm an actor. Okay. I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, so I, I'm originally from just, just south of Pittsburgh. I grew up in, uh, in northwestern Colorado in a ski resort and then in central Utah. So beautiful places to grow up. Yes. Absolutely gorgeous. Yes. And my dad wanted me to go into math because I'm, I'm pretty darn good at math. He wanted me to be an engineer, which is his given trade. And I said, no, <laughs> I want to be an actor <laughs> because I love musical theater. And he said, who is this? This is not my son. Um, but no, I, so I ended up, I got a, a degree in musical theater and sales in undergraduate. And then I went to Chicago and I got a graduate degree from Roosevelt University in classical acting because I don't care about paychecks, apparently. (laughs) Um, And that honestly, it was it was my graduate work where that really got me into the you are enough idea Mm -hmm. Uh, because the acting there is all about just being honest and open and vulnerable, Mm -hmm. Um, which is all what all good acting really is. So I was a, an actor in Chicago for a number of years. I actually paid all my bills with acting. I was one of the very fortunate few. So I focused mainly on Shakespeare and new musicals. And that's actually where I met my wife. We met on stage in a new musical and we ended up dating, which you're never supposed to do, Mitch. You're <laughs> never supposed to date someone you're in a show with. It's called The Showman's and they never last. Right. Except for me and my wife, we're doing this fine. Awesome. Um, and then once we got engaged, I, I had heard of this thing called uh, health insurance, which I thought sounded interesting and maybe I should get some. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so I ended up having a, uh, an almost decade long career as a theater professor, mm. uh, both in Eastern Colorado, basically a suburb of Nebraska mm-hmm. 
and then back here in central Illinois. And after that, I heard of this other thing, which sounded really cool, uh, called a decent paycheck. Yes. So I decided I, uh, I joined the corporate world as a learning and development trainer. And then as a manager, both for an insurance company and for a, uh, a health company here in central Illinois. And that really got me on the leadership development and communication training train. Did a lot of Franklin Covey stuff, did fierce conversations, uh, did like the 12 week year coaching, mentoring. I became certified in a lot of stuff. And that really got me into the, wow, I think I have more to offer than just this corporate world. Yes. And I really, I, I started meeting all these people who their life was about, I, I, I need to be better. I'm just, I'm not good enough. I can't, I, 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 they need me to be something that I'm not. And I can't, and that really started to click for me. I'm like, yeah. no, you don't. Right. You don't even see the problem. And so this summer, uh, I actually lost my job. Thank mm. you, COVID. Mm. And I had started my company, Kenneth Kendall Coaching, earlier in the year, and I felt like this was the fortuitous heavens opening, beautiful operatic music coming down from on high, that this was my time and this was my opportunity to help these people that I've met along the way through public speaking, because I really love public speaking and theater and I've got a knack for it but to help them get their confidence back. I'd seen so many people that had been beaten down yes. for no good reason. Yes. And they were doing it to themselves. So that was the opportunity. And I haven't looked back and I've never been happier. That's awesome. Yeah. How, yeah. how has it been building a business during this, um, this time of life? I have nothing to compare it against. Because I started my business in April, so we were already in the throes of it. It's been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm sure if I had started, you know, five years ago, I'd look at this time and go, oh my gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> right. It's been great. I've been, I mean, I've gotten to help a lot of people. Yeah. And the results, I, I, I just, I want to hug people. I can't because they're all over the planet right. and, you know, right. COVID. But. I mean, it, it's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. There's this idea of, I, I have a background in ministry. I spent, spent a lot of years in ministry, and mm -hmm. it's it's always interesting when you look at the history of the world in times of, you know, pandemic or war or catastrophe. There's a few certain career fields you really want to be in during those times. Uh, ministry is always one of them. Yep. Healthcare is another one, yep. but really it's outside of healthcare. It's the idea of being in a situation where you're selling knowledge because it's yeah. during those times of catastrophe and of reflection and of desperation that people all of a sudden go, I need to get more knowledge or better myself or seek advice. And yeah. so I could argue with people that in, in a positive way, the best time to be available professionally is during a catastrophe because people do need, um, they need that. And, I, and I'm like you, I'm the same way. I, I've had an opportunity to help a ton of people. And it's simply because not only did you hear the music coming from on high, a lot of other people have too. And a lot of times it's out of desperation. And, and yeah, yeah. yeah.
That's awesome. I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, <clears throat> I'm glad that you mentioned that just with uh, with your calling and with your uh, with your background in that. I have found that throughout history, there are really uh, our two backgrounds um, in spiritual and the theatrical have always been intertwined. So it's always fun to talk yes. uh, with someone who has a similar background. Yeah. And, two and sides of the same coin. Art and entertainment would be another one that always does well during because people just they want support. They want encouragement. They want inspiration, but then they also just want to be entertained. And you, you've heard Absolutely. it during the shutdown. You know, we just want football back. We just want sports back. We, my family and I talk about it all the time. We're moviegoers. Mm-hmm. We love to go to the movie theater. And just the other day, I was like, man, I just want to go to a movie. Like in a, sorry, I got choked up, not crying. <laughs> I miss <laughs> theaters that <laughs> much. <laughs> but, but there's something to that, you know? There's something to the yeah. idea of, I consider going to the movie theater a mini vacation, like for two and a half, three oh, no. hours. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just fun. Yeah. And I mean, I'm kind of in that same vein. You you look at the worship uh, of Netflix and Disney mm-hmm. Plus and Hulu and all that just skyrocketed. Yeah. And yeah, some of it is because we have nothing else to do, but we are seeking comfort. We are seeking the human experience. We are seeking those many vacations. We're seeking escape. And that's where we turn. And it just, it kills me. I mean, I look at Broadway. They just announced last week they're going to be closed until at least Mm -hmm. the spring of 2021. Uh, But what we need right now are those experiences. I don't want anyone to get sick. I think it's a good thing that they're staying closed. Right. But right. But there is something to that that helps us in the healing process and getting back to our humanity. Yeah, agree. So someone comes to you, Kenneth, and they say, um, I've never spoken in front of anyone before. And they all of a sudden have, let's just call it a job interview. Let's make this as Mm -hmm. applicable as possible for people that might be listening. You and I are meeting people every day that are working on resumes and, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, What, what? What does the process look like? Let's say that someone comes to you and wants to be a client and go through your whole program. And then I want to come Mm -hmm. back and talk about someone that maybe you could just give some small pieces of advice to. So what would that look like for someone to come to you and say, hey, man, I want to get in your program and improve my skills? Yeah. So first and foremost, we have a conversation via some, some virtual conversations here. I, yeah, Zoom, whatever. Um, and I'm switching. I'm not sure which platform I'm committing right. to yet. <laughs> right. It's all changed. Um, but we have a conversation and we talk about where you are and what's going on in your life and your experiences and where you want to go. And this is an opportunity for me to get to know you, potential client, uh, and you to get to know me. And first of all, see if there's a chemistry there. Like, should we be working together or can I recommend someone else? You know, is what you're looking for something I can help with? And hopefully it is. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, we get along famously and life is good. Uh, and then I send over some notes. I send over a breakdown of my uh, my program or some ideas about what I think we can be working on. And after you've had time to look that over, we have a quick second call. We make sure that we're still jiving, uh, that we feel we would be a good fit. We agree on a structure. And then we go from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually my big programs, I've got a nine-week program that's called Confidence Boost. And you have to say it like that because there's a picture of a rocket. Yes, yes. Uh, Yeah. Right. Um, So uh, the first three weeks are really centered on getting to know you as an individual. 
looking at what is that self-talk? Where are your areas where confidence might be lacking and starting that rewiring? And you start to discover your body language and what that has to do with confidence mm -hmm. and your physical voice and breathing apparatus mm -hmm. and how those contribute to your confidence. Yes. Uh, the second third, two thirds, uh, is really about how to improve your speaking skills in terms of how do you write a better speech, how do you engage an audience, how do you tell a better story based on all of the stories we've ever told. Uh, we use a lot of Joseph Campbell. Yes. Uh, if you've ever read Joe Campbell, good stuff. Uh, but it's it's how to how to be there authentically with your audience, and then the third third or one, if we're talking to the math people here, uh, is really how to present, mm. how to be yourself in front of other people, how to warm up, how to practice, how to manage nerves or anxieties before you get on stage so that they don't rear their ugly head when you are on stage and how to manage them if they do. I love that. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I love all of that, especially that last part. Um, really, what we're talking about is being proactive yeah. and preparing yourself. I always tell people you should be so prepared that you don't even have to think about it. And again, right. that applies to everything, especially public speaking, though. If, if you're prepared and prepared enough that you have space to roam, yeah. you have nothing to worry about it because you know what to fall back on if you need to fall back on something. Absolutely. Yep. And that's, I've got a lot of improv training in my background and it's, it's a lot like that. You, you yes. know, your material so well that you can riff on it. Yes. And if someone throws a wrench into your works, it's okay. I got this. Yeah. 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 I love it. That's a strong program, man. So let's go, let's go to the person that may be listening. Um, yeah. is, isn't quite ready to go into a program that, you know, there's always those people that are like, and to be honest, I'm kind of one of those when it's like, okay, I really, I, I know I need to invest in that, but I need to research it a little bit more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so maybe that person is a school teacher, all of a sudden mm -hmm. dealing with virtual learning. Maybe that person is getting ready for an interview, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're about to be in front of people. Yeah. What would your top three, uh, free, so your top three free best pieces of advice be for those people. They have something to prepare for. They're mm -hmm. listening to the show, uh, but they're just not sure, but they need that kind of little boost. Boot, but how'd you yeah. say it? Say that for me again. Boost. There you go, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so top three. Uh, number one, check your self-talk. If you are finding when you think about what you're preparing for, whether it's an interview or you've got to give a speech, you've got to teach a class, whatever it is, when you think about it, where are your thoughts skewing? Are they more negative? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. Or I hope I don't screw up. That's negative too. Um, or are they skewing more positive? Like, I'm really excited about this. It's going to be great. I get to show who I really am. If you are skewing negative, take stock of that acknowledge it. Okay, I'm having some thoughts about this. And then start a list. Mm -hmm. Write these down of things that you want to be saying in your head about uh, this. Uh, yes. So that when you get to the point where you start thinking about it, and you hear a negative thought come in, you have to stop it, you have to just in your head, you say, no, 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 no. stop. Find your list. <laughs> and repeat those thoughts. 
you may not believe them at first. That's not a requirement, but you say them. You start myelinating that. And here's the other trick to this. Imagine what that experience is going to be like if those things were true. Mm. So get emotionally invested mm. in what would happen if these were true. So maybe, you know, you've been saying, I hope I don't screw up. Instead of that, say something like, I'm going to be brilliant or they're going to be very impressed. So repeat that. And then what is life going to be like when you're brilliant? What, wow, what's that going to feel like? Right. And then start to imagine that. That's going to help myelinating. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is how you practice. Um, so if, if it's for a job interview and it's going to be virtual, which most of them are these days, ask a friend, ask a colleague, whatever, someone in the next room, to get on a call with you and practice asking you interview questions. What you as the person who's preparing should really do is as much as you can recreate what the experience is going to be like. So if there is a specific outfit that you're going to wear, wear it. If it's at a specific time of day, try to make it around that time. If you're going to do it in a specific location, do it in that location mm -hmm. or approximate it as much as you can. So get everything to that point and see if you can get, you know, some very common interview questions and get in the habit of answering those and getting those questions in this space. If you have a PowerPoint presentation, practice it. Yes. So practice in as much as an equivalency as you possibly can. And please use a friend for this. Get someone to ask you questions. Please. Yes. Yes. That's a huge part of it. Um, and the third one is don't be someone that you are not. Mm -hmm. This is especially true for job interviews. But I know teachers are a lot in this. They may feel that they have to put on a presentation uh, instead of just being themselves. That's the biggest mistake you can make. Yeah. Um, this goes back to the you are enough, who you are, the life experience you have had, all of the failures, all the wins you have had, everything that has made you you. You are enough, my friends. You are exceedingly interesting already. You are the only person like you in the world. So don't pretend that you are something that you are not. Fine example. Uh, in my last role, I had a, uh, a team of six learning professionals that worked with me. And one guy, we're not going to use names here. Um, <laughs> protect the innocent. He, yeah, that's right. Protect the innocent. Um, he had never really taught in a corporate setting before. Brilliant guy, though. Scientist by trade. Super smart. Uh, and loved the material. But he would get in front of a classroom and he would try to be this person he was not. And he called it his, his presentation name. We're not going to say the name. Let's call him Bill, just for fun. That's not his name. So he would call him Presentation Bill, rather than Bill. And we worked for months and months and months on this to get him out from behind that presentation version of himself. And the first time he did, he stood there in a boardroom, we were practicing, and just cried. Yes, yes. I'm like, what happened? He goes, I have never allowed myself to be me in front of anyone but my family in my entire life. Wow. Wow. And then he started teaching 
like this. Like things that had nothing to do, like communication classes and you know leadership. But he started doing this, and people came up to him afterwards and said, I didn't know you could do that. Wow. I've never seen this side of you before, and I like him. Mm. And now he's the best teacher that organization has. But he had to acknowledge that who he was, was enough. Yeah, it, it goes back to the word. Um, it's a word that I love to use, and it's permission. Yeah. And, and the greatest person you can give permission to is yourself. And as leaders mm -hmm. and teachers, um, we we have to be we have to be able to give permission to others to step fully into themselves and and I think you know really when when you when you kind of strip it all down that's really what we're talking about is for for some reason at some point in time and I get again you're not a therapist and you're not a psychologist but this has to do with what we're talking about at some point in time someone stripped away that permission whether it was in third grade, I want to be an NFL football player. And Miss Williams says, oh, you'll never do that. Yeah. Or little Cindy says, well, I want to be a ballerina. And Mr. Mr. Jones says, oh, no, you, you, you know, little Hispanic girls can't be ballerinas. I mean, those yeah, are the exactly. things that get said and that strips away that permission. And, and even though you're doing it from a certain perspective, you are dealing with it from a scientific perspective emotional spiritual level that says okay we're not going to dig into replace you know fix that problem you, you can yeah. do that for with your therapist but we can begin opening the door by reflecting on how we can shift that thinking because it is yeah. not easy work and a lot of people say oh you're a public speaking coach but I'm telling you now for me, you know, for, for, and people like you, it's kind of in our DNA. It's who we are getting in front of people. I, I am most at home in front of people. And mm -hmm. when that's in your DNA, that's where you're at. But for a lot of people, that is the most vulnerable place <laughs> yeah. to be. And it brings about all those insecurities all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. And, and that's why that, um, actor that, uh, you know, that different person kind of comes out because really we're do dealing with, you know, almost people wouldn't think about this, but we're almost dealing with multiple personalities, really. Yeah. And and that's kind of a crazy thing to think about. But that example you just gave is a perfect example of that. It's like, well, yeah. the only way I can survive this moment is to become this person. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, and I do want to kind of correct something on this. While I, I do feel very comfortable in front of people, and I always have, I have had really severe public speaking fear in my in my past. Wow. Um, like really severe that I have had some really amazing teachers and coaches help me overcome. But I, I am not immune from that. My big thing, I uh, my left leg would shake uncontrollably. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I've had to work on that. Yeah. 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 So same same process. Same process. Same exact process. Yeah. Same process. Yep. Yeah. And it was actually one of my high school teachers, Marty Lemansky was his name. What a name. I know. My high school speech teacher, he was one, he was the one that kind of started to introduce me to this idea. Mm -hmm. He never labeled it. He, you know, he was just being a high school teacher. He knew the science behind it, but he just said, hey, start thinking about this. Yeah. Um, and that, like, as I, as I got back into this, I'm like, that guy's a genius. Right, right. Yeah. Right. That, 
Well, yeah, well, even so, up through college and grad school, I dealt with that. And yeah. it was the the stuff that he taught me and some of the other stuff I had to learn myself. I mean, it, I still use the techniques. Yeah, that's that well, it's, it's tried and true. And, and it's the yeah. science, the science behind it. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, it's how it's how people deal with addiction. It's yeah. how people deal with, you know, what we talked about multiple personalities, but it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. The, the science behind it is the same of how powerful the mind is and, and, and they've yeah. even proven, I mean, you can go back to the studies of, uh, like water pills and stuff, oh, yeah. just thought can actually change the biochemistry yeah. of your body. And it is, it is incredible. And that's really what you're getting down to when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. I mean, when, if we're talking about self-talk, just from a scientific standpoint, our brains process roughly 750 words per minute. We tend to speak somewhere between 140 and 160 words per minute. Yeah. So that's what we're hearing. But that other 600 words that our brain processes, that's self-talk. That's yes. our thoughts. Yes. Super yes. powerful. Yeah. And the great thing is probably the most powerful thing of all is we get to choose. We get to Amen. choose. Some, some days are more difficult than others, but we get to choose what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really powerful. So uh, check your self-talk practice. I I love back in the day, we used to call it role playing. And I still use that term and people freak out. I'm like, but it's great. Role playing is awesome. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and authenticity. Well, I I exchanged what you said for that one word. Authenticity. Be authentic. Yeah. Be authentic. I I love those. Um, So I want to go back to. Uh, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, some experiences that you've had, you know, with, with public speaking, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But was there a moment um, in life for you, an experience that that you kind of reflected and said, no, I really want to help people. I really want to empower people. Was, was there kind of a moment or a season that really kind of, um, you know, kind of almost put you in a situation of pressure internally where you said, no, 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 this is where I want to be. Yeah. So it was actually my first year as a college professor. I, I'd always known that I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. Uh, it was just from, from when I was little, I knew that at some point I wanted to teach. I didn't always know why or what I wanted to teach. And then, you know, I got into theater and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll teach this. Yeah, that right. sounds fun. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah. Right. Um, but my, uh, my first year teaching at Northeastern Junior College in Sterling, Colorado. There you go. Nobody's ever heard of it. Um, I was asked to teach some public speaking courses. And so, so you got a picture. So Northeastern Junior College, affectionately called NJC, a uh, little two-year liberal arts college in the middle of the plains. Uh, basically, I mean, the nearest towns were in Nebraska and Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Okay bunch of ranch kids farming ranch kids mm. and you know like the one random hippie in town right. who we love by the way they're amazing um these people had never seen that theater they had never done speeches they had never you know and so getting into these classes and introducing them to not only public speaking and the concepts but how to have stage presence how to put together an argument, how to be persuasive, mm. how to avoid logical fallacies, like opened up their brains. Like, oh my God, there's this whole other world. Right. You know, we started talking about Sophocles. We started talking about Aristotle and like everything kind of clicked for them. And 
the moment for me happened when the, one of my favorite students, his name is Bobby, and we are still very good friends. He's kind of like an adopted third son at this point. But I watched him transform from someone who was funny because he had no self-esteem. Uh, that was his defense mechanism was to be funny into this kid who was exceedingly confident and became one of the most generous people I have ever met. And he's still hilarious, but it's not a self-defense mechanism anymore. And I saw this shift happen very quickly because, and not just because of my class, right. uh, don't get me wrong. He, you know, he's, he's learning, he's in college, lots of things happen. But the lessons that he was learning, I know some of them he picked up from my class. And when that happened, when I would see him interact with people kind of before and after, it's like that, that's the moment right there. If I can help more people get to that, get to be your authentic self, that's it. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. it. There always seems to be that experience, right? And it's either it's either an experience you witness or an experience that happens to you personally. But there just always seems yeah. to be that confirming experience that says, no, no, no. This is the path. This is the path. Yeah. yeah. So what about someone, Kenneth, who isn't public speaking? Um, mm -hmm. They're they're listening to the show. They stumble upon you. Uh, they go to your website and, and they check out everything you're doing at Kenneth Kendall Coaching. Uh, what, what about the person that isn't public speaking? Um, is that someone you work with? Is that someone you can help? Someone that just says, I want to improve my presence and myself and my mm -hmm. self-talk? Yeah, great question. So first, I would argue that everyone is engaged in some sort of public speaking. Uh, not so public speaking isn't just standing up on a stage behind the podium mm -hmm. and giving a lecture. Yeah, that is one form of public speaking. Public speaking is also what we're doing right now. Yes. Public speaking is anytime you jump on a meeting on Zoom. Public speaking is anytime you're in a meeting mm -hmm. and you have to talk. Mm -hmm. Anytime you are speaking to someone else, that is technically public speaking. Mm -hmm. So Everyone is a public speaker, yeah. just in varying forms. So there's my first part. Uh, but yes, I have worked with people who public speaking is not a large part of their lives. Um, and we focus more on the confidence piece. But public speaking is the vehicle that I use. So it may not be getting together and, you know, you have to write a 12-minute speech about... <laughs> Uh, why you feel a lot of Vegas is the ideal destination for your family vacation. Right. Um, but I feel that there is a lot of value in learning how to tell your story. Mm. So whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a small business owner, or just somebody, mm. you have a story to tell. So the methodology I use is we're going to work through confidence and we're going to work through finding your voice by telling your story. So that's the vehicle. I love that, yeah. telling your story. And, and we're all telling our story in one way or another. I love it. Okay, another question for you. We're, we're in a day and age, we were joking before the show about social media. And uh, <laughs> on, on the day that this is being recorded, especially uh, yeah. social media, we won't, we won't go down that rabbit hole. But nope. um, 
it's it's interesting. So I I told you my kids are all you know kind of up and grown and and they the youngest one especially pretty much grew up in the age of social media and as a parent who grew up in an age that you know we didn't have cell phones we didn't have a computer so after I got out of high school like I, we just didn't have I'm kind of at that age that we didn't have that stuff you know yeah but did you have an Atari N no what what I had was I had Pong in the beginning. <laughs> And because my parents went to this, uh, you know, back in the day, they used to do, I don't know if they do them anymore, but they used to do like those real estate deals that if you went and listened to a 10 hour seminar, you got a trip. <laughs> and, and one of the ones they went to, we got a Pong. And so that's nice. awesome. I wish I still had that. And then I had Nintendo, you know, first generation. I was kind of a, just because that's what my parents bought me, but I had some friends that had Atari. So yeah, we're same lines there, brother. Same yeah, lines. We're okay. But it's been interesting to, watch young people on social media. Um, like I said, my youngest one was kind of that generation. The other two grew up with it too, but, and just dealing with teenagers in general and seeing people post things like, if this gets 200 likes, I'll keep it up. If it doesn't, I'm taking it down. So my question becomes to, to you as someone who's really dealing with confidence and self-talk, mm -hmm. if you were talking to a 15 year old kid right now, who's in the midst of this social media, TikTok age, what are you telling them? What, 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 what are you having them think internally to hopefully navigate this? You know, peer pressure has changed incredibly. It's become yeah. likes and followers rather than if you're wearing the right jeans or not. Yeah. What are you saying to them as, as a teenager in this world? And that's a big one. Yeah. So thank you for asking that. And my, my kids aren't quite there yet. Um, but I, I can see that moment on the horizon. So this becomes a longer conversation mm. and it is less to do about public speaking. And it really is more to do with these kids about their values ah. and what they feel is missing in their lives that this thing is filling. For them, because any you know this, any activity that we're doing is filling some sort of thing that we feel is missing in our lives. Yes. So is this is this something that they're truly pressured into? Is it they're doing this because it's fun? And maybe it is. Mm -hmm. Are they doing it because they have very low self-esteem? Is it because someone said something? So it's figuring out what is that void that this is trying to fill? Or is it really just entertainment for them? Mm -hmm. And then that becomes a different conversation. But if they are truly trying to fill a void with social media, this becomes a very involved conversation about worth, about mm. spirituality, mm. about their place in the universe, about the future. Yes. And trying to figure out, are there other ways to fill this void? rather than social media because social media is the low-hanging fruit right it's very easy to get involved with that right so it's helping them find other ways and not telling them which one to use but opening up kind of that that cornucopia and saying here are other ways you don't need to feel like this yeah and social media is not the only answer and here are some you know possible side effects of doing this continued behavior on social media 
And they may not see that side. So having an open, honest conversation with that, acknowledging that there are some very good things about social media, yes, but there are also some very dark sides. So yes. making sure that they understand that holistic view of it and then helping them navigate to something that might be healthier for them. Yeah, it's the motivation, right? What, what, yeah. What's motivating this? And and that can be applied to anything in life. What What yeah. is the underlying motivation? And then we can go from there. And Absolutely. and really, the reason I ask you that question is, you know, again, when you look at the data and the research of how social media is impacting teenagers, especially, I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's almost heartbreaking when you really start digging into it. And we don't necessarily want to call social media the evil empire it's simply a vehicle no. exactly yeah but but at the same time it can become like any you know anything in life even the greatest things in life too much of yep. it can become Absolutely. the evil empire and and i just i know we have some parents listening i know we have teenagers yeah. actually listening we have we have quite a large teenage audience and i just think it's empowering to let them know that just because just because everyone else, and it's the same old adage, just because everyone else is following that path, it doesn't mean you have to, but it's a true yeah. adage. You have permission to live differently and act differently and use social media differently. It doesn't have to impact you in a negative manner. Yeah. The other thing that I've seen work, especially if it's someone who is looking at like the lives of Instagram stars. Yes is actually go and look at the reality mm -hmm. of what's happening in the rest of their lives. What people post on social media is not reality. Right. It's not. Right. It is not something that is achievable. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So if you were looking at those things and measuring yourself against that, you're measuring yourself against an illusion. Yes. And I guarantee People who are living on Instagram and posting that, I am going to guarantee their lives are not nearly as happy as you think they are. Right. If that's what you're aspiring to, you are in for a, a world of surprises uh, of which you will not care for most of them. Yeah. It's the Kardashian syndrome, right? Everything's going to be pretty. Yeah, yeah, I'll say it. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly, yeah. um, interesting. The, the episode that will come out this week with my friend Mike Patchen, um, he mentioned the same exact thing and we were talking about entrepreneurs and he's like, what's crazy is all these entrepreneurs that are posting on social media and these private jets and this, that, and the other. And you see other people, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk actually posts a lot about that. Oh yeah. And he'll post, you know, Hey man, I'm, I've been up for 15 hours today, had to take two flights and I'm trying to get home for my kid's birthday. This is what being an entrepreneur yeah. looks like. And, yeah. I and love, that's why I like Gary V. <laughs> yes. I mean, you thought you talk about authenticity, you get what you get. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. <laughs> I mean, it just yep, is what exactly. it is. And, and I think that, that I'm the same with you, but there is when we can look at people that live vulnerably, but authentic, 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 <laughs> get it out. Um, it becomes so much more valuable. And that is the beauty of social media is those connections can happen. And, and that's the message I want young kids to hear is that social media, again, isn't the evil empire, but how we're using it and what value to your point that we're giving it is really kind of the fine line. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this, this may resonate more with some of the, the adults or, you know, people in their mid twenties, but look at the fire festival mm -hmm. that happened. How many years ago now? Five, yeah. six. Yeah. I don't know, but all the Instagram messaging, all the Facebook messaging, look at this amazing thing. And then you got there and it was 
tents and no toilets and no food and people got stranded for two weeks and lost a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> lost a ton of money. It's exactly uh, right. um, Kenneth, this has been great, man. I, I You've brought unbelievable value to people, actionable value, which I, I really love. Um, folks, go to KennethKendallCoaching.com. That's uh, Kenneth's website. It's a great, easy-to-navigate website. He's got some great um, input on there, and, and his program is listed very, very clearly on there as well. KennethKendallCoaching.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, make sure you follow Kenneth on LinkedIn. Um, that is the best way to stay engaged with him, and he's on there often, I can attest. And so <laughs> so search him on uh, LinkedIn. Kenneth Kendall, we'll put his link in the show notes as, uh, for that as well. Uh, Kenneth, tell me the book, The Talent Code. What's the author's name again? Daniel Coyle. C-O-Y-L-E. Okay. Yeah. The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. If you're looking for a new read, I would say go out and grab that one. Just the title alone. They did a good job. They did a good job titling that. (laughs) Sounds interesting. So, uh, Kenneth, before we wrap things up, leave the people with one more thing that you would like to... uh, to uh, finish things out with, and then we'll do our five question speed round the way we end every show. So yeah, give the people one more piece of advice. So what I would like you to take away from this, and I've mentioned it a few times, is that no matter where you are in life, no matter the struggles you have had, no matter the things that you wish you had done or wish you had accomplished, or the things by which you are measuring yourself, my friends, you are enough. You are interesting, you are talented, you are a gift to the rest of the world. Trust that. You are enough. Yes, I love that. We need your story, brothers and sisters. We need your story to make humanity what it's meant to be. I love that. Okay, are you ready for our five-question speed round, Kenneth? Everyone does this. One word answers only. One word answers only. We'll see how you can stick to that. I like to challenge everyone on that because if I was being asked the questions, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be very uh, stay within the lines guy, right? Yeah, um, do my best. Yeah. Okay. Regarding books, do you prefer digital or paper? Paper. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. What's one guilty pleasure you have in life? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, one thing you cannot live without. Coffee? Yeah. <laughs> your family. Fav- family. Family. Okay. I was going to give you the three coffees in a row. <laughs> and uh, your favorite season of the year, fall, winter, spring, summer? Fall. Fall. Awesome. Love that. Uh, Kenneth, this has been great, man. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your passion and knowledge on the Mitch Gray Show. I know people are going to get some amazing things from this. Brothers and sisters, make sure you follow Kenneth or go to his website, kennethkendall.com. Go to follow him on LinkedIn, Kenneth Kendall. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-L. We'll put that in the show notes. And the biggest thing, my friends, we hope that you are safe and well during this time and any time. Make sure you do some some self-reflecting if you're feeling a little bit confused in life during this time and what to do. Um, I believe that your in your DNA is written your purpose and your path. It's just a matter of uncovering that. And that's really what Kenneth talked about today as well. So find that purpose and path. Do it to the best of your ability. Be authentic. Check your self-talk. I love that. Check your self-talk and practice. Yeah, never hurts to role play. Grab a friend. Have a cup of tea. Make a Zoom call. Just do some crazy stuff, brothers and sisters. It will help you out. 
Thank you for listening to The Mitch Gray Show. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at mgraymedia and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media. Hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon.